America's original and oldest heritage pack company, Duluth Pack, hosts a podcast led by CEO Tom Sega. Real stories with real people who we admire, plus outdoor industry conversations, business discussions, entrepreneurial advice, and more. Now enjoy this week's episode of Leader of the Pack. This episode is brought to you by our friends at Essentia Health Foundation. The Essentia Health Foundation exists to make a healthy difference in the lives of patients, families, and frontline healthcare staff in our region. From meals and lodging for patients to purchasing state-of-the-art medical equipment and funding research, the Essentia Health Foundation supports programs that directly benefit patients and families in our local community. If we've learned anything over the last two years, it's that healthcare is critical to the safety and well-being of our community. To make a difference, visit EssentiaHealth.org slash foundation. Again, EssentiaHealth.org slash foundation. Hey, everybody, this is Tom Sega from Duluth Pack, and this is the Duluth Pack podcast, Leader of the Pack. And I'll tell you what, we certainly have a leader today, let me tell you. Uh, in fact, I should say we certainly have a leader today, you betcha, because we have Miles Montplot. Oh, boy, I destroyed that one. Help me out <laughs> here, it Miles. Again. Try it again. Miles Montplaisure. Got it. There you go. Montplaisure, who is better known as Miles the You Betcha Guy. Miles, yeah, welcome. Just, yeah, thanks for having me on. We were just talking before we started that there's a reason why I decided to go with Miles, the you betcha guy, and not Miles Montplaisier for this exact scenario. So don't cool. worry about it. You're not the first person to do that. Uh, been battling that really my whole life. You know what? Sorry that I butchered your last name. We'll try not to do that again. So <laughs> yeah. let's let's jump in because we need to learn all about you, Miles, because you have become just just so powerful and so big out there so quickly and I, I think a lot of people have questions on how in the heck did this guy do that but before we do that I want to we want to learn a lot more about you so tell us where you're from where did you go to high school because I know you were like this big stud football player went on and played football in college tell us all about that yeah so I grew up in Fargo North Dakota um, but spent a lot of the summer in Minnesota, uh, the Detroit Lakes area. My parents had a cabin growing up uh, in Detroit Lakes. And so really it's kind of a North Dakota, Minnesota hybrid roots of, you know, obviously Fargo's right on the border between Minnesota and all that. Um, so I grew up there, uh, went to college across the border in Moorhead uh, and then moved back to Fargo. So I just been flipping back and forth. Uh, my whole life. But uh, yeah, I grew up in this area. And uh, really, I, I love the area so much that I was very happy that th this the internet was invented. So I can do what I do and not have to fly to LA and try and make it in showbiz, right? We can just do the internet content from anywhere. And so, um, yeah, I grew up kind of a normal childhood, just played a lot of sports, um, like you had touched on and, uh, you know, basketball, football were my main ones. Baseball, you know, didn't move fast enough for me. I kind of liked uh, the fast-pacedness of basketball, football. 
Um, plus I was also like a contact guy. Like I was always like using up all my four or all my five fouls in a basketball game. Cause I was built more for playing football. Um, uh, probably should have been a wrestler or something. I don't know. Or hockey, but, um, yeah, grew up playing sports, played high school football, was lucky enough to be able to play division two football in college. Um, and I found out really fast. Turns out you're not going to make it to the NFL. <laughs> so you better figure something else out, Miles, or you're going to be back working concrete for your dad the rest of your life. So not that there's anything wrong with that, but I, uh, I, I had done that growing up and was pretty much like, all right, I'm ready for something different. Miles, so, I think you're, you're, you're being um, pretty darn humble here because we're talking to a guy who was an eight-time letter winner in high school in three sports, was earned all-conference, all-state honors twice in football. 2010 was named uh, North Dakota's AA Senior Athlete of the Year after throwing 1,800 yards and 28 touchdowns. See, I did some homework on you here, Miles. Yeah. And then went on to college. So that's that's pretty cool. And you were a, if I if I saw this correctly, you were a Southpaw quarterback. I was. I was uh, left-handed. Um, <laughs> when I got to college, some people were like, are you sure you're not right-handed? Because- <laughs> I, that pass didn't go very well. And then you became, you became a wide out. Yeah. So basically what happened was I stunk pretty bad when I, <laughs> I ended up starting two games for uh, our team. It also shows how bad we were when I got there, but I stunk it up and got benched like totally rightfully. So like no bad blood there. Like I deserve to be benched. <laughs> and uh I, but I was kind of like to my coach, I'm like, well, if I'm not going to play quarterback, like, let me try some other position. Like I said, like, I'm a, I feel like I'm an athlete. I can figure it out. And so I just started trying other positions. And actually in the same season, I started two games at quarterback. And then the last like three games of the season, we had some injuries and I was starting as what, like a slot receiver. So um, yeah, it was kind of a, I don't want to just, ride the pine i want to try and get out there and play because that's what this is all about and so put me in at whatever position allows me to do that was kind of the mentality good for you and and what what was your major while you were in college i was an exercise scientist uh because that's what you do when you uh um you play college football you get an exercise science degree and i did an internship or basically was a personal trainer in college and like nine months into it, I was like, well, really hate this. So good thing that I almost got a degree in it and spent all this time and energy towards it. Um, so, yeah, I kind of wasted the the college degree thing on, on an exercise science degree because I don't use that at all now today. But Well, you know, you, you do a little the curls with your bush light that you do and, and you know, your foundation. Pump. Yeah, there's a good foundation there. So. Tell us how in the heck did you start this whole YouTube and social media world? How did you, what was the, the conception of all this? Yeah. So um, after college, uh, well, kind of a funny thing about that is my dad always said, cause he owns a concrete construction business. That's what we did in the summers growing up and even in college. And his joke was always, I want you to go to college so that you don't have to work for me the rest of your life, get a degree. And so you can go get a different job. 
And first thing I did after I got a degree in college is I worked a year of concrete. So that didn't work out too well for him. I kind of backfired on him. But so I went and did that. And um, obviously this far north, it gets cold enough in the in the winter that you can't really pour concrete or it's kind of inefficient to pour concrete in the winter. So there's actually seasonal unemployment. So I went on seasonal unemployment that next year. And I said, I got three months to figure something else out or I'm going to be back in the hole. So um, me and another guy here in Fargo started doing some freelance marketing stuff for people in town. Um, You know, short videos for their social media, managing their social media accounts, photos, the whole thing. Um, really had no business convincing anyone to let us do this. Um, but we started doing that and started getting a lot of reps. And, um, I think between me and another guy, we had to edit like 30 videos in a month. So we're like, we were way in over our head, um, at one point. Um, but it also turns out that at this time, especially in Fargo, it was hard to convince people to that social media was going to be the wave of the future of this is how you're going to market your business and all of that. And that was probably five, six years ago. Um, and so we just, we struggled. Um, but as we were studying social media and studying marketing and all that stuff during that time, I realized that, you know, history repeats itself and the stuff that you see on television, food network, ESPN, discovery channel, all of that stuff, it's just going to be recreated in a different form on the internet. And that was kind of my thesis at the time of, oh, wow, like this is same thing. There was radio networks back in the day before TV came along that talked about sports and lifestyle, you know, everything. So we're just getting the next wave. And so I kind of looked at the Midwest and, and where we were located. And there wasn't really anyone talking about being proud to be from the Midwest or even shining the light too heavily on being from the Midwest. And at this point too, you know, I've, I've traveled a little bit in my life and it was always, there's always like a little sense of like, Oh, you're from the Midwest. Like you're second tier, right? Like almost <laughs> like you're a flyover state. Nothing happens there. kind of sucks to live there. You got to come to New York, spend, you know, 15 grand a month on an apartment for a job that's minimum wage. That's really living, right? Exactly. Spending $45 on a cappuccino martini at a, at a bar after work is really living. Right. And I was like, this just seems so backwards that everyone kind of rags on the Midwest a little bit. And so kind of decided I wanted to do a page that was essentially celebrating and sticking up for the Midwest um, because I do think it's like the best place to live on earth people, the, um, you know, lakes country, um, you know, across the board. I just, I don't know. I, there's just something about it. And so I had this idea for the page. You betcha told my friends about it and they're like, cool, but you should just start it. And I kind of second guessed myself for a while and basically got to the point where like, dude, I'm so sick of you talking about this page. And if you're not going to do anything about it, like I'm going to actually get mad at you. So finally mustered up to just start posting content. And uh, about two to, I'd say about three months in, 
we got our first video to blow up on Facebook and get a million views. And I was like, holy shit, we got something to go here. Yeah. Now, you know, at first you're like celebrating, like, this is really awesome. This was the goal. Like, yeah. <laughs> and then once kind of the, the smoke, the dust settles a little bit, you're like, oh, but if I want this to be a real thing, I got to figure out how to do this again. And I don't even know how I did it in the first place. It was just kind of lucky. And uh, so that's really what we ended up doing is started getting to work of analyzing what worked the first time and how can we keep emulating that over and over again to build what you see today. Miles, what the, the brand You Betcha or You Betcha guy, Miles the You Betcha guy. How did you come up with the brand? Obviously, we're Midwest. People make fun of us. I've been lucky enough to travel all over. And everywhere I go, people are like, why do you live there? And I always tell them that at 25 below zero, there's no crime. And so, <laughs> you know, hey, it's a pretty safe place for about nine months out of the year, right? In living yeah. up here. And then I, always, I, I also tell them, I said, you know, at 25 below zero, keeps the riffraff out because the guy I'm talking to would never come to here at 25 below zero. So, you know, the riffraff's not coming. And then, you know, the you betcha, the oof does all that, you know, the Norwegian, the, the Swedish type of, of, uh, of heritage that we have in this part of the world. And you and I live about five hours from each other here. Uh, traveling, I felt that as well and got asked those questions a lot. Yet, we're proud of where we're from. We're proud of this. Just because you make fun of it doesn't mean we are not going to be proud of it. Yeah. Well, and it's like, I got the personality that it's if you're going to make fun of me a little bit, I'm going to be even harder at doing it. You know, like, oh, you're going to make fun of the Midwest. Well, now I'm going to even be even more Midwest because you don't want me to be, you know. Yeah. Where are um, you from in Canada, Miles? <laughs> exactly. Just keep getting further north. Yeah. So you, the brand, how did that come about? Yeah. So really there's, there's no like special, like fancy thing that happened. It, I was trying to think of a name for this Midwest entertainment channel um, and somehow stumbled across the name you betcha. And you're just kind of like, it just feels right. It's, it's fun, but it also like is a very, uh, you know, Northern Midwest phrase that gets said so it kind of alludes to the fact that this is in the midwest and i don't know just felt right and it wasn't any like aha moment or anything like that that happened but um just seemed right and uh so that's and and really the brand started as this was going to be more of like a meme page where we you know make memes uh, about the midwest share content that um was people doing midwestern things and more be like a collective and through trying to find other content to do i just decided to step in front of the camera a couple of times um and that seemed to kind of resonate so it, that's really it, it, from the get-go wasn't a plan that i was going to create this page that had me as the front-facing person necessarily but it kind of just naturally took form well you know such a handsome fellow like you and and uh you, of course you had to be in front of the camera and 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 not just on radio and unfortunately people aren't going to be able to see you on the podcast today they're just going to hear you but one good looking fella here folks you, you you're gonna have to look look all of this stuff up 
how many people, Miles, are on your team today? You're, you're about five years in? So we are, we started in June of 2018. Oh, okay. So would that be three and a half years? Yep. Carry the, yeah, yeah, three and a half years. So we're three and a half years in, and we currently have 18 full-time employees here at You Betcha. Um, so that's a combination of our merch team and our content side morphed into something probably a lot bigger than than you originally thought when you first yeah, this, were just this, making some content yeah this escalated quickly it really got out of hand fast you know am, am i correct in saying you've had a cumulative one billion views yeah so we had, we actually <laughs> we don't like do a lot of like i'm not celebrating but we just kind of keep the business going forward. Right. Um, but when we, when we surpassed a billion views on Facebook, um, we threw ourselves a little party. And, uh, so yeah, we've, we've surpassed a billion views on Facebook because that's kind of where we originally started and had our bigger, bigger videos hit. <clears throat> um, but it's obviously more than that now that we've kind of developed other platforms and stuff too. So yeah, you're correct. One billion so literally if 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 the world one person was to watch that that's one out of every seven people on the planet earth has seen you that's that's <laughs> huge think about it and i i did go online and, and look at your party and you throw a pretty good party so um, i'll run to my mailbox and look for the next in, invitation there <laughs> talk about some of the challenges going forward you've turned into a big brand you have a really nice size staff. Now you're growing rapidly. How do you plan for the future now as things are coming on you so quickly? You're in the public eye. How do you how do you manage that? Number one. Number two is what are some of your plans going forward? Because your brand is is like a rocket ship. Yeah, I think number one, uh, try and keep all the mental breakdowns at bay. You know, just see. Yeah shove that deep down inside, have an extra beer and then you're good. Um, no, but it, honestly, it is a little bit like that. It's, it's not this grand plan scheme thing. It's, it's more so let's start this. This is what we think is the right path. And then just knowing and constantly paying attention to how do we keep shifting? I mean, even from the get go, I said, I thought that it was going to be a meme page. And in a couple months, we, we, pivoted to putting me in front of the camera. So um, for us, it's always just been making a decision, going with it, and then adjusting after we get more information. Um, and, you know, I, I do think we're kind of at a point in our business where it was the initial build up to myself growing a gigantic audience um, more than, especially way faster than I ever thought it would happen. Um, and now it's kind of the next phase is, well, unfortunately, if I get hit by a bus tomorrow, you know, the, you bet your brand is not gonna, it's gonna, could fall down. Right. So I got to start building things, um, that can live on past me. You know, it's, it's having more content creators, more, uh, brands that are kind of underneath the, you bet your brand to help support it up. So if I want to take a vacation for a month, in five years or whatever, 
then I can do that. And the, and the business still continues to operate. And, um, and that's kind of where it's just part of the maturing of our business and our brand is going from having this thing, my face in everything that we do to kind of help bringing in more content creators. And it's, it's a, we thing and not a me thing is, is kind of where we're headed. I think from here. Miles, how do you stay so creative? You obviously have a staff around you now, but, but creative juices run dry once in a while. And you just keep coming out with a lot of really fun, new content. I mean, we got the one where it was one of my favorites that I've ever seen was the millennial dad versus baby boomer dad. And the, the reason I watch that one many times is because my, my kids keep sending it to me saying, dude, that is so you. And I'm not the millennial dad. I'm the guy who's going to say, <laughs> I'm stopping this truck, get out and walk home. And they're like, dad, it's 10 o'clock at night and we're 10 miles from home. I don't care. But don't you dare tell mom. Yeah, I mean, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, because you're going to be in big, big trouble, dad. How do you stay creative? How do those juices keep flowing in all of you to do that type of thing? Yeah. So the team has been huge. Like, so Tyler is our, he's kind of our content manager now with all the stuff we got going on. He was huge a couple of years ago, um, coming up with ideas. So it's not all coming from my brain because also then it's like a one-sided perspective as well as like only what I think about is what the videos are. Um, <clears throat> and since then there's been more and more people that throw ideas into the ring. And so that helps a lot. Um, one thing too, that we've been trying to do lately is like, we we're lucky enough that our page is just about like being a Midwestern person. And so just like going and doing things and paying attention to what we do. Like, for example, we had um, for uh, a thing we did with Anheuser-Busch at their ice shanty uh, in Mille Lacs, Minnesota, we just took a trip there and went to a small town bar and all that other stuff and talked about it on our podcast and, from that stems other content and other ideas and meeting people and talking to them and just paying attention to what we're talking about and what we're doing um, is also a good way to keep the ideas fresh of not just sitting in your office, staring at a wall going, all right, I got to come up with ideas, but getting out and doing stuff and moving to help shake some of that stuff loose. is kind of what we're, what we do too. Explain to people listening miles about, how much really goes into how much film goes into you, your content might be four minutes or might be an hour long, but how much filming really goes into making something happen. And then all the editing that goes in behind. So you guys may actually, you may not do a lot of editing because you guys just flow like crazy and, and have a heck of a lot of fun. But I know that uh, in some of the, the, the circles I run in and there's some, the, some shows, I mean, they do so much B-roll, so much filming to get the content that needs to, to make a good product out there. Yeah. So I would say um, to answer the first part of that question, just let's say it's, we had 45 minutes of footage and we break it down to three minutes, you know, um, a lot of, you know, we'll do multiple takes on different stuff. Um, we'll have outtakes, all of that stuff. So you, you kind of have to keep rolling because you never know if an outtake is going to be really good or conversations behind the scene. Um, but for us, is we've been very intentional because one thing 
you know, you talk about the Midwest is when it's negative 25 out, no one's really worried about how they're looking. They're mostly <laughs> just want to be warm, right? So you got a camouflage stocking cap on, you got this, you know, blue coat with, you know, yeah, it, it's, it's much more function than it is fashion. And uh, I think that that's kind of how we've tried to emulate some of the stuff in our page is not having too much fancy B-roll and not too much um, fancy graphics or t- putting in too much time on making sure the color looks just right. And, and it almost feels more Midwestern to not have all of those things, all the T's crossed and the I's dotted. Um, it's kind of been our approach to it. So we're kind of lucky that we don't have to do as much shooting because of that. But still, we do cut down 40 minutes of footage into three minutes. So um, a lot of work. Yeah. And our editors, like, that's what I, you know, I'll put them up against anyone in terms of producing a a good piece of content in a short amount of time. Um, And and that's kind of what we do here. So, yeah. Miles, do you have one piece of content that you've created that you go, you know what? I'm really proud of that one. You've done so many cool things. And folks, you've got to go see some of this content. You need to be following Miles. And we'll get into all this on what your handles are for people that I can't believe they hadn't heard about you or haven't been following you already. But uh, how do you, what, what is that one piece that you would say, hey, I'm really proud of the way that came out. And that was really fun. Yeah, I think, um, for for me, there's one video that's kind of a little bit different. It's not necessarily one that blew the doors off numbers wise, like, you know, tens of millions of views. But um, it's a video called The Midwest Bachelor, which is basically a video ripping on the entire Bachelor franchise. <laughs> and it's me pretending to be the Midwest Bachelor. And instead of handing out roses, I'm handing out bush lights um, and I, I, at one point I had to like fake cry on camera. I don't think I ever done that before. So that was kind of fun to do. So, so that one to me sticks out more just because it was like a much different shooting process and coming up with stuff and, and then presenting it to my now fiance, like showing it to her, like, see, this is how ridiculous you look when you watch these, when you watch the bachelor, um, that whole thing was really fun to do. And um, I think the best compliment was people like, okay, this actually, like I was actually invested in like one of the fake characters in there was named Tessa. And they're like, Tessa's the snake. Like, you know, just like they do on the real show of attaching to certain characters. So that, so that was really fun to do. You know, I, one of the ones that I, I really remember is you were, you were going to hook your boat up and you were going to be the fastest guy to ever hook the boat up. And it was hilarious for me because I saw that. And the first thing I saw was, we did cross the chains. And boy, did you come back at everyone with that one. Oh, yeah. You must have got a little backlash on that. Well, so we still get comments because that video is still going a little bit. Um, And the whole premise of that video is like, just obviously being like, it feeds into like kind of the blue collar anything you can do, I can do better type of mentality is kind of what that one fed into of like, I'm going to say that I'm going to be the fastest, but you know, this is how it actually goes when you try and do it where you can't 
especially on the Ford trucks, they got the hooks are further back. So you can't see what you're hooking on to do. You gotta like get on the ground and um, sure, sure enough, that triggered quite a few people of my grandma could book it up faster than you, you know, it's just like, um, but yeah, that was fun to do. You know, that's all good. I mean, it's good content, even though people came back at you and they're like, my grandma could be faster. You didn't cross the chains. What yeah. did it do? You made another video. Yeah. Yeah. Well, did you see, I did cross the chains on the second video. Yes, you did. You didn't do it how they would do it. <laughs> so, so Miles, talk a little bit about the nectar of the gods and how Bush Light Beer became part of the show. And are they a sponsor of the show? Yeah. So, um, first of all, we have a really great relationship with them. Um, and we've built that over the last three years. Uh, kind of started because one, that's what me and my buddies would drink. Um, so, you know, that was part of it because um, where it really came onto the scene was, uh, I don't know if you've ever had a spotted cow before. Personally um, not, but I've heard of them many times. Yeah, but you've heard of it at least. So the beloved spotted cow in Wisconsin, yeah. um, I, I had known that there was such a big, like almost cult following of that. And and I wanted to uh, kind of make fun of that a little bit and know that comparing it to a bush flight and uh, basically just clearly being biased, but saying that I'm unbiased is going to get a lot of people fired up. And so I compared those two together. And of course, the bush light came out on top and basically pissed off the entire state of Wisconsin, uh, <laughs> how it all started and um, and. And obviously, like it, it's what's been cool is to see kind of an area of the country adopt Bush Light as like this is, you know, when we talked about starting out, it's being proud to be from the Midwest, you know, taking a beer that, you know, the craft beer community would rip on and, and having people being super proud to be drinking Bush lattes, you know, in an ice shanty out on the lake is is something that's it's really cool to see happen. That that relationship has to be just strong as can be because you guys you guys talk about it you have so much fun with it you make fun of it and and it becomes so much of your content. Yeah, one our relationship with beer here in the Midwest is so much different than other areas of the country. You know, you look at the statistics and it's if you looked at the statistics of how much beer is drank compared to the rest of the country. Everyone would be like, Oh, I guess they're all alcoholics up there, but it's like, no, it's just kind of like a, it's a social thing, right? Instead of offering someone tea, when they come over, you just offer them a beer. Right. And uh, yeah. And it's, uh, so it's being friendly. Yeah, exactly. And I think it's a food type, is it not? Yeah. It's in the food group. Yeah, yeah. I, that's that's what I for sure thought it was part of the, yeah. On the bottom, the big one is, the bottom of the food pyramid it's it's the biggest category i believe uh, i and uh, darn well should be let's talk about covid which we're all sick of talking about but everybody everyone's business has been affected some way shape or form how has your business been affected from covid yeah so i'm not gonna be like delusional of like i know that it's been both positive and negative for our business. 
So um, when it hit in 2020, uh, a lot of people were at home, right? They were at home. And what do you do when you're at home? You go on your phone, you watch things on the internet, you do all that. And, um, you know, you can see kind of us have an explosion of views and stuff that happened when everyone was in quarantine, chilling at home, um, working from home and doing all that. Turns out when people are working from home, doesn't mean they're working the whole time that they're there, you know? Uh, <laughs> but um, so I think that's been a positive thing, but also some of the positive things that's come from that is we've gotten messages from people that say like COVID was really hard for me. And like your guys' videos helped keep me keep a positive attitude when things were not great. And like, that's like the best message you could ever get is that your video positively, you know, impacted someone's life. And so I think thinking positives when COVID happened, I, I would say those things are up there. Um, I think all the negative things are come down to stuff that in the grand scheme of things is nothing compared to other people's jobs. So it's like, kind of like, all right, well, these are very, very minor things because we can do podcasts over zoom and, you know, things like not being able to have guests come to Fargo or travel to go do podcast stuff or, um, you know, when, on our merchandise side of the business, you know, trying to get products um, that aren't in stock or the prices of hats double or something like that, you know, that's kind of where we've seen a hit on that. But like I said, it's, it's nothing compared to, what some businesses in the restaurant industry, the bar industry and all that. So um, we've been lucky that in that sense that we're an internet company that uh, can still operate without having to be in person and do all that stuff. So you obviously had to switch gears though, because you're talking about personal appearances and all that, that came to a stop. So you just switch gears in a different direction. Yeah. We, we did a lot more stuff like what we're doing today uh, over zoom. Um, I know a lot of, I did some appearance stuff with companies where they uh, were trying to do a pick me up with their employees. So they had us on and kind of had a virtual happy hour with all their employees and kind of sh shooting the shit with, with them and um, doing appearances and air quotes like that. Um, so that was one way that we kind of uh, pivoted and adjusted during that time. Um, and again, doing podcasts and having guests on zoom. And, and I think one of the best things that, you know, came out of for podcasting in COVID is it got the audience used to seeing a conversation like this happening over zoom. Um, so it's just kind of part of the accepted norm. And uh, I think that's good because it allows, like we wouldn't be having this conversation today because we're not in the same area. So it's like, it helps bring, all of us together. And, and I think that's been a positive that's come out of it. You know, when we started this uh, podcast, we, you know, outfitted a whole studio, bought all the equipment, all of that stuff. And stuff's just collecting dust. Now we're doing it all over zoom. I'm sitting in my office right now. You're sitting in your office. So it's allowed us to do a lot of things and touch a lot of people that otherwise we may not have been able to. Miles, what's the most success you talked earlier about the the first viral video that really kicked this whole thing off. What has been the most successful video so far? 
from the standpoint of viewership and 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 helps take you to that different level? Yeah, so um, we were getting a lot of videos that were getting, you know, one million views, two million views, three million views, and which is awesome and is hard to do, and and we're grateful for that. But I, I remember having a conversation with my mom of being like, "Mom, we just need one video." to like pop off for 20 million views on Facebook. And we're going to take this thing to the next level. And uh, not too long after that, we, um, we did the husbands of target and which is a video about a group of guys that formed a club per se in the parking lot of target while they wait for their wives. And uh, that I think today, I haven't looked at it recently, but, I think today on Facebook, it's had like a collective, like 77 million views um, and just kind of went absolutely mega viral. And, you know, it's all over, all over Reddit. It's all, you know, news articles and stuff like that. That was pretty cool. Um, And uh, so that would probably be our biggest one to pop off. Things that, you know, so many of your videos are so touchable if you will to all of us like that right there what guy that wants to go shopping right especially a midwest guy and and so well, you i go remember to- <laughs> yeah i remember growing up and like my my dad would drop off my mom at the door at target and we would just circle the parking lot like listen to music or whatever you know it's much more enjoyable to be doing that in the car than it is getting lugged around the store so yeah 100 percent and then you park in the wrong place so mom can't find you. And then you get in trouble because you didn't pull to the front door quick enough when she came out with the cart. Exactly. <laughs> I had to stand outside for 30 seconds. Exactly. So as a business now, what are some of the biggest challenges you're having? You're the leader of this whole thing. We're with Miles, the you betcha guy, and this, this company has exploded and that adds challenges on itself. You have a staff of 18 now. What are some of your biggest challenges as a company right now? Um, what's funny is, is I actually had a conversation with Ryan who runs all of our merchandise. And when you start up a business, you as the owner is the one that makes everything go because you have to, right? Whether you, because you, you don't have money to hire anyone or, you don't have anyone that knows how to do a certain thing. So you just got to figure it out on your own. And what I've noticed is at the beginning of this business, I was the one that makes everything go. And now some of my behaviors are what's actually holding our business back in a sense of I'm doing things that someone else can do faster or should be delegated to and, and have all that, um, you know, at the beginning, it was I was always used to having a schedule where I can just show up and do anything whenever I want or work at 11 at night or, you know, late into the evening. And, and now it's like, well, we have people who are here and leave at five o'clock. We got to do things on a certain schedule. And I'm not great with the schedule. And that's something that holds our company back. And so realizing this and delegating and, and, and trusting all of the people that I have hired because they're talented and they know what they're doing and all that to just do their job and kind of just get out of the way and do what I do best of figuring out the vision of where this company is going and being in content and, and 
and having conversations and keeping the culture good and all that stuff. I worry about that. And, and they are like, let, let us take the stuff that really you're not great at. And number one, being on a deadline and, and, and uh, keeping to a schedule. So really for me, it's as I grow, this is giving up some control and uh, realizing that I have good people that, that know what they're doing. So that's kind of my biggest challenge right now is almost myself and conquering that um, so that we can take it to the next level. That's, that's great advice for people. Any entrepreneur out there that's growing a company, starting a company, thinking of starting a company is early on, you, 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 you do it all, right? You, you, like you just said, and then eventually as you grow to a certain point to be a good leader, you need to relinquish some of that control and say, wait a minute, I just surrounded myself with really intelligent people. Let them do what they're really good at. What would you say, Miles, is something that creates a viral moment. Oof. You're asking me to like put, a, you know, hug a cloud at this point, right? <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I think approaching it in a, a sense of I want to go viral is something that always leads to failure. Um, I think what you do, what you want to do is start with the person watching it, right? So you as a consumer, what do you want to watch, right? And I think a lot of times people think internet content, they think, oh, I'll do this really funny thing that I think is funny. And everyone else will think it's funny too. When in reality, you know, like, let's just take uh, uh, an example of uh, a company that wants to put out a funny marketing video, right? And they have like inside jokes in it with their employees, all our stuff they put it on Facebook and no one interacts with it. And they're like, what the heck? It was really funny, but that's because it was funny to that business and the people who worked there. And it didn't relate to anything that the audience was watching. And so what we do is we always try and think about what is relatable to the end consumer and what do they want to watch and what do they want to see um, and go and meet them there, not go, Oh, we're going to do a funny video. Just no one watched it because they just didn't get it. They'll get it eventually. turns out they're not going to get it ever if that's the strategy. Right. And so I think starting with the end consumer and, and target market of like, who's going to be watching this video or who do we want to be watching this video? It would be bad if I was doing Midwest content and we were doing, instead of doing Bush light, we were talking about cappuccino martinis, right? Like exactly. Even if I do like them, that's not going to relate. So I think starting with relatability is, uh, is huge. Um, I mean, it's other things too, like keep grabbing attention, holding attention, um, you know, if you're watching a video and if at any point you're like, all right, I'm bored, that's not good. You need to shorten it up or have some other side story that happens that keeps attention and, and keep it really fast moving and all that other stuff. Um, but I think at the end of the day, it's really, you, you can't plan for something to go viral. Your plan needs to be put out really good content. Um, and hopefully eventually it will, uh, you'll get one to pop off and focus on that um, rather than, you know, I like to think about if, if, if you watch a basketball game, you think about and you watch, you know, Steph Curry hit a buzzer beater. 
Well, it's it, he didn't go into the game being like, I'm going to hit a buzzer beater this game, right? He practiced all of his three-pointers, you know, since he was a little kid and shoots a thousand threes a day or whatever it is. And then when he gets the moment to shoot a buzzer beater, he's going to make it because of all the work he did beforehand. And when you get the idea that could potentially go viral, you've done all the work and, and you've done the research of how to make a good video and presenting it in a way that allows that idea and that video to become viral because you've done all the work beforehand. You know, that was, that was a pretty good analogy you used right there of, of an athlete that doesn't go into it planning that night that they're going to do a three point buzzer beater to win the game. It's just that they've, they, they practice that so much over and over that it happens, but that wasn't planned to happen, but they've done all the background work leading up to that. Yeah. Like they go into a game wanting to win the game, right? They don't go into it trying to make ridiculous shots. That's going to wow the crowd. Right. And, and I think, that's always been kind of our approach is we can build a gigantic business off of a million views here and a million views here. We actually, you know, I said, it's going to take one 20 million view video, but I wasn't like, all right, this next video, I have to make it 20 million views or we're you know, screwed. Right. It was just like knowing that at some point I can just feel it. We're going to make a buzzer beater. Whenever it happens, it happens. I might miss a few between now and then, but at some point we're going to hit a buzzer beater that will help take us to the next level. And I think if you can kind of have that approach that um, the goal is just to put out really good content that builds a brand and builds an audience, um, all of that extra fancy stuff will come with it. Well, I think you've done a heck of a good job of it, hitting a billion Facebook views. That's just mind boggling when you think of that in the short period of time you did it. And with that, Miles, you become famous. And how, how does how does a guy handle that? I mean, you I'm assuming in the in the Midwest, but even outside of the Midwest, that People recognize you. I mean, you're the face on just Facebook alone over a billion. This is last October. How do you handle that fame? Yeah, I I think what's cool about my situation is we we say fame and all that other stuff, but to me, it's one when when someone comes and and says, "Hey, I love your videos." Like that's the biggest compliment I can get. Is like I you know, influence this person enough to where they feel like they want to come take a photo with me in person or, you know, talk to me or whatever. Like, that's like really cool. Like means we're doing a good job at what, what our goal is. Um, I think another thing is, is we've self set up our brand and that it's not, you're the celebrity who, you know, I'm nervous to go talk to. It's like, I feel like I know this guy because his content is just me doing, it's just what me and my buddies already do. Let's go get a beer and go chat with them and all that. And I think like, for me, it's, it's cool to see um, and talk to people of the Midwest of that they can relate to the stuff that we're putting out and, and all that. And so um, how I deal with it is, is, I think about that, like it's, I'm no more, no more different than the guy who um, is working his plumbing job and is at the bar that night too. Like I'm, I'm in the same boat as them of like, you know, just someone who lives in the Midwest proud to live here. My job's a little bit different than theirs, but 
Um, it's, it's just, I don't know. It, it, it feels like, uh, you know, you, you've been at a bar before when, you know, that everyone's been drinking, having a good time and you're on your table with your squad and everyone's like kind of had enough to drink and having enough fun that like all of a sudden the tables around you are kind of just everyone's standing and talking and hanging out. And, and that's kind of what I want out of the Ubetria page is everyone to feel like they're connected and being able to do that. And, um, you know, they, people comment and share our videos. At least I can do is take a photo with them and, and ask them how their day's going and, and chat with them a little bit is kind of my approach to it. You know, it's, it's interesting because you're obviously very humble about all of this and you, which is really cool, by the way. And, and, and it doesn't seem like, I didn't know you prior to your fame, but it certainly doesn't seem like your fame has, has changed you. And as a person out here, we appreciate that. We think that's really cool because you're approachable. You're a regular guy. I'd never met you before. I've watched a bunch of your videos. You've been been uh, tangled in with Duluth Pack in a couple of different ways over the last couple of years. But uh, you, it, this interview is just like talking to a friend, talking to a regular guy. And I got to applaud you on that because not everyone gets that. Not everyone stays humble like you are. And and uh, I think that will will uh, bode well for for your career as we continue to go on here. Yeah, well, I appreciate that. Um, it also wouldn't be very like the Midwest way to be like coming on here and bragging a ton. And and don't get me wrong, it's it's one of those things where like I'm a confident guy, and like you have to be to make it in business and make it in doing content and stuff. But to think that you know you're better than this person or that person just is, doesn't sit well with me. So yeah, yeah, your friend your friends would probably throw uh, bush lights at you if you started doing that, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Share with us, Miles, if you if there are some people out there and they're listening to this today and, and they're going, you know what, what Miles is doing is something that I always wanted to do. It may not be in the same vertical that you're in, but I want to be a social influencer out there. Give somebody who really doesn't even know where to go with it some advice that you would get that you've learned since you got into this and you have the success. I would say a big success or a big first step is realizing that literally no one cares about your content. And what I mean by that is I seen so many people either create uh, content for their business or whatever. And they think that the people watching are hanging on to every single word that they say. Right. And like, that's just not the truth. And so you have to give them a reason to care and uh, pay attention to every word that you're saying. And so be very critical of your stuff, but also like, you're not going to have it figured out at the beginning. Right. So I think number one, the mentality into it going into it is I need to be providing value for these people because at the beginning, they just don't care because why would they think of how many videos you watch on TikTok a day where you just keep scrolling past, right? You got to get people, give people a reason to stop scrolling and watch your video over anyone else's. So that's mentality going into it. One and two, you are going to suck. Like <laughs> you, you go watch my, 
first videos and they make my whole body cringe and tense up because they just <laughs> right like the way that it's edited the way that i'm talking the like awkward jokes that i thought were funny at the time that just really aren't that funny and just realize like get that stage over as fast as you can when we hire someone new to do content here I go, just start posting stuff so we can move past the you sucking stage. <laughs> but you it thought was, you were pretty good, didn't you? <laughs> I did. I did. Um, <laughs> but, but that's just the truth of it. It's like, you're just really going to suck at the beginning and you just have to keep putting out content and, and don't just keep putting out the same content. You got to make sure you're paying attention to how you can improve it and the feedback you get and all that other stuff. But I think, two biggest things is no one's going to care and you suck at first (laughs) find a reason to get people to care about your content whether you're funny whether you're very informative whether it's just entertaining because it's fast moving and doing all this other stuff um and then the other thing is just you're gonna suck so put out content until you don't suck anymore really (laughs) miles so you you obviously because uh, some of your stuff's a little on the edge for some people and other people absolutely love it to death. And today you have all this cancel and you have wokeness and all the other stuff. And obviously there's people that don't find you funny and feel like behind their keyboard that I need to cancel you and all this. How, how do you go about dealing with that? Well, so I got lucky in the sense of my personality handles criticism like that very well um, a little bit of uh i have a lot of what i would say like inner confidence where it's not i don't hold as much weight to other people's opinions because if i did i probably wouldn't have started this in the first place you know but you know i'm lucky that sense my personality is that way um but we have people that work here you betcha that i have to have conversations with them and they tell me like hey these negative comments have you know mentally affected me and it sucks and 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 i talk to them about it and and I also talk to them about how, like, you know, you sometimes got to go back to like the man in the arena speech of everyone has an opinion when they're sitting in the stands and then they take one step into the arena and they're like, oh, okay. Yeah, this is hard. And I feel bad now, you know, but a lot of people will never make it into the arena. So they, they think it's pretty easy to throw tomatoes or, you know, talk to their buddy next to him about how bad the players suck on the field. And um, so I I think dealing with the negative stuff is um, it's part of the job, you know, too. I I think sports has kind of prepared me for that of, you know, you're going to get booed. You're going to make bad plays that um, essentially could cost you the game. And then all of a sudden your teammates are mad at you or, you know, the fans are pissed to you, whatever. Um, but doesn't mean you should stop playing the game or like if anything, that should almost motivate you a little bit more to um, come back and, and win the next one. And like I said, that's my personality. I know a lot of other people um, don't. Uh, it's just they, they have a tougher time with it. And, and I would say it's just you're in the arena and they're not. So kind of like F them. I don't know if I can. Right. Better than that, but yeah. Beautiful. Great, great answer. 
Miles, tell everyone where they can follow you, where they can see the videos, your website, where they can buy your merchandise. Yeah, so we are uh, at OU Betcha, O-H-H-U Betcha on every platform, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube. Um, we, uh, same website, OUBetcha.com. Um, you can find our merchandise on there. And, uh, and we also got our own podcast too. You betcha radio is, uh, the name of that. You can find that anywhere as well. Um, and that's, if you're looking for, uh, guys, just kind of, uh, what I like to say is you, some of your best buddies, when you get together and you start drinking and one guy says something dumb and then the other guy piles on top of that. And then all of a sudden you're down this whole rabbit hole of something stupid, but you're all laughing pretty hard. It's, it's kind of the best uh, explanation of that podcast is just uh, piling on to other dumb ideas that you have while you're drinking beer. So uh, if, you, if, if you're looking for something like that, that's definitely a podcast that's, that's for you. Well, you know, I could re recommend, Miles, that people go and, and watch your videos and follow you and listen to your podcast because you can help a lot of us relieve a lot of our stress by just laughing and listening to guys having a, a good time and talking about everyday things, which is really, I, I, I just see that is something incredible and you've turned it into a brand and you've turned it into uh, an explosive brand and, and we can't applaud you enough for doing that. That's uh, you took a risk and, and went for it. And that's the entrepreneur spirit. And that's what, that's what this podcast is all about. Let's, let's take a little bit of a turn here. We're going to go a little bit personal on you here. It's called the packed question segment. Just a couple things. What is your favorite movie? Ooh, uh, probably Dumb and Dumber is uh, my favorite. <laughs> it just, it was so well done and like all of the dumb jokes, like you almost got to watch it three or four times to like get every single joke that they put in it. So that's been an all time favorite of mine. The team has a question for you here. What's your favorite hobby outside of drinking Bush Light? Uh, I would honestly, you ask my employees, they say that this business is kind of my hobby. Just I wake up and I just think about it all day long. Um, but recently I've started getting into playing more golf. Um, I've also this winter getting more into ice fishing. And so, um, golf's been a really, really fun one. I, I grew up doing it, but I never took it too seriously. And, uh, my dad is a very, very good golfer. He's actually a Minnesota state champ back in, I don't know, 1774, you know, before we were even a country. That's how old he is. Um, yeah. You know what? I don't think I, so. Cause you're still <laughs> a pretty dang young fella. Your dad's probably younger than me. So you be careful. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's an old state champion and he's just always been good at golf and I've never beat him. And so it's like my thing that the, the thing I'm chasing now is trying to beat my dad in golf one time. It's like little giants. I don't got to beat him every time I play him, but I just got to beat him one time. And um, I think we'll all, we will all know about that when that happens too, I believe. Yeah. He's going to, I don't know. Actually, it's like one of those things where I, it's like the goal that I'll never, or hope almost hope I never achieve because I don't want to see, how mad he gets if that actually were to happen, you know? So you might be pouring concrete that day. <laughs> yeah, I, 
might be better if I just don't, but <laughs> might bang the last hole or something. Uh, Miles, last question for you. What's the best piece of advice that you've ever received? Ooh, best piece of advice I've ever received. Um, I think it wasn't necessarily like one piece of advice, but my parents, I owe a lot of my success to, um, by the way that they raised me. And, um, I think the two things come to mind. Uh, my dad taught me growing up doing concrete work and all the other stuff is when you look at a house, you don't see the concrete underneath the foundation, the footings, the, the walls and stuff like that. But without that, you know, the house is going to fall down. And, and I think building a good foundation is something that my dad taught me growing up without even really realizing it. Um, and then my mom, uh, she is, she's not actually an interior designer, but she loves putting together a room and, you know, Oh, let's paint the color, the wall, this color. And then, you know, a year from now, it's going to be a different color and, and mixing and matching stuff to kind of make her house look really good. And, um, she always told me, we'd be like, mom, why do we got to move this? Or why do we got to help you repaint this wall? And she would always look us in the face and just go miles, a good house is never done. And I think it's some of the best advice I've ever gotten about a business, about content creation, about basically anything you do in life is it's not about finishing this business because really we're going to, we're in this business forever. Right. Um, you know, it's constantly just working on repainting the walls of your business, you know, moving the plant from this side of the room to the other side of the room to make it work better. And, and I think, um, a good house is never done is a good business is never done. And, uh, and you got to come every day and work on it and keep improving it to doing all that. And so, um, those are two pieces of advice. I don't, I don't know if I have like a best, but those ones have kind of stuck with me, um, throughout my life. So those are pretty dang good piece of advice. And, and I love to hear that you, you're, you're grounded with all your fame, you're grounded and you talk about family a lot. That's really important. Folks, today we've had Miles Montplaisier on. See, I got that right. Huh? Well I've had like an hour here to practice. Miles <laughs> is the oh, you betcha guy. And most of you will know him as that. And as we've learned today, one very humble guy who has done some things that that are absolutely incredible. He's a famous guy, but he's humble as the day is long. We appreciate you, Miles. We appreciate what you do for all of us. And uh, thank you so much for being here today. Yeah, thanks for having me on, guys. This was fun. Maybe I have to do it again sometime. Well, we would certainly like to. And next time we're going to have Bush Light with us. Yeah, yeah. All righty. So, folks, again, it's been the Obet You Betcha guy, Miles. And until next time, unplug from the indoors and recharge in the outdoors. Thank you for listening to another episode of Leader of the Pack. Don't forget to rate this podcast, and we would certainly be grateful if you'd give us five stars. Subscribe to the podcast on Apple, Spotify, and Stitcher. Follow Duluth Pack on social media at Duluth Pack. And shop online at DuluthPack.com. 
Don't forget to support American jobs and buy American made.